0: Hi, I'm Sheila, and I'm Hope, and we're two teachers coming to talk to you about the good, the bad, and the ugly parts of teaching. Hello, teacher friends, and welcome to episode five. Today, we're talking about parent accountability,
1: and it's been an episode that I've been super excited for. I've been able to do some research the past few days, and I think there's a lot of
0: important topics within parent accountability that need to be addressed. I love that, that you did all this research, because I did none. My, <laughs> my comments are going to come from being a parent and living through it. That's
1: right, baby. She has the real-world experience. And although I'm not a parent quite yet, I do think that parent accountability is one of the most important aspects in a child's education.
0: I think, actually, out of everybody, parent accountability is the most important. It's the number one accountability out of the whole group.
1: Today, I am going to be talking about a few different viewpoints about parent accountability. From one side of the spectrum to the other. And while we're talking about these things... I am so interested to hear about your viewpoints and what you think about the research that I've done.
0: I want to just put it out there right now that all of these opinions I have about parent accountability are from my own point of view. Um, No judgment to anybody else. I'm just gonna be commenting on how we did it in our home. And it's not for everybody, you know, different kids need different things. So please take it with a grain of salt. It's just my experience.
1: Well, and how I was raised, I think, is a huge part of why I'm a teacher now. So I think that not every kid is going to go down that path. However, as a teacher myself, and uh, so I'm going back to school again, and research is going to be a huge part of it. So this has been really fun for me. So let's go ahead and dive right in. The first article that I kind of dove into was from the AASA, which is the School Superintendents Association. And I read this article by Stanley, I'm going to butcher this last name, but BIPPUS, B-I-P-P-U-S, who is the superintendent of the Salem School District. And one of the first things that really just stuck with me was that between the time that a child is born and then the time that they graduate at 18, children only spend 10% of waking hours at school. Mm -hmm. So that really sunk in of, okay, so who, who are they spending the most time with? Their family, their parents, right? Right. So one of this, this superintendent, he had the opinion of school officials do not come close to having the impact on a child's success as much as a parent does. And I, I largely believe the reason that I have been so successful in school and college and in my career is because of you and dad.
0: Well, I have to admit that when I brought you home from the hospital, Hope was born in April, which meant that I took the rest of the school year off. I brought her home from the hospital and while i was feeding her i would read to her so early on she had reading from the very first day she came home now i'll be honest they were trashy romance novels but that child listened to me read to her every single day
1: well and that brings another really interesting fact that i found that from birth to kindergarten just from birth to the five years old a child who is read to at least 20 minutes a day every day from birth to kindergarten absorbs around 600 hours of structured language they acquire pre-literacy skills and they learn to love books which i think it's no no secret that i love to read oh yeah so and I, i think it's common sense and research also backs this up that children benefit from parents who read to them and parents that ensure they're getting enough sleep and eating you know, nutritious foods and supervised homework. I I know I didn't have a lot of homework coming home when I was younger. However, you and Dad were always on top of that. You guys always made sure you know we ate dinner. We went to bed at a certain time. I mean, we. <laughs> I still remember those wooden coins we would get whenever we wanted to play video games. We had to earn our gaming time, and then. We had to be very wise on how we wanted to spend that.
0: Yeah. Each coin was worth so many minutes and you only got to play on the weekends and you had to do chores through the week. Yeah. To earn those
1: suckers. And if we were, if we were sassy, you took those suckers away. (laughs) I betcha.
0: But one thing I also want to touch on is both you and your brother were identified as gifted. Yeah, And I know that the research says, or at least the the WISC, which is the IQ test, says that the IQ is standard, it will not move except for seven points up or down, and I truly believe that environment has a huge impact on IQ. I know from just my sped experience that you can it's called hot housing a kid. So you can get a child to outperform perform their IQ if you immerse them enough in an alerting environment, those experiences and all that information through play or through, you know, visiting different places or reading, you can hot house a kid and raise their IQ. So parents, I'm not saying you're going to raise it 20 points but if you give your child those experiences those learning experiences I do from the bottom of my soul believe it will raise your child's IQ a few points
1: well, and I think even not focusing on IQ, but I remember in the summers when I was younger in elementary school, we would have like Mama Summer School. Like, we would do different things where we would take leaves and color over them, and we do nature journals, and we go to Bur Oaks and walk around the trails. Remember the bug
0: unit? We had a bug unit. Yeah,
1: we and then we have played with bubbles. Like, we did so many things in the summer, and I think it's important to keep your child their mind going in the summer mm-hmm. but that, it yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's
0: important to make it fun I, I found not too long ago one of your summer journals where you would draw a picture and write a couple of sentences and we would talk about editing and revising and it was such a, a wonderful memory for me as a parent
1: well and it, you know those memories I think are huge they're the reason that I am a big research nerd I mean I would research for vacations I would mm-hmm. research and make books and I would write and do all of those things and I think that's a huge part of you know you being a responsible parent which kind of brings me to the next part of parent responsibility and accountability so I I think a huge topic especially now with everything going on is educational reform Mm -hmm. and I think the role of parent accountability is often left out of that formula entirely, and Stanley Bippus agrees with me, uh, and he said that even when reformers do consider what can be done for children who are being raised by those irresponsible parents, that the focus is typically on strategies to hold schools more accountable instead of addressing parent accountability and this article also went in i didn't write it down in my notes but it was talking about different suggestions for keeping parents accountable and some of them were just there's no way in any worlds that it could work of like finding parents and there i know in my school district i am lucky enough to be in a school that parents typically do care about their child's education Mm -hmm. but uh, you know some of those school districts there's there's not much that can be done in the way of like finding a parent who can't afford that or you know keeping them accountable in monetary ways.
0: Well I want to talk about two things. So you talk about finding parents and I know for a while... Our district was looking at truancy, and if a child missed so many days, and it was a lot, it was, I'm yeah. going to say it was like 20 or 40 percent, which the research clearly supports that if a child misses that much school, they're going to be behind. We would, they would have to go to court, and it would become an issue where they had to, if they, if their child missed too much, it would be a fine. But I, I want to circle back to words you used, which was irresponsible parents. I don't know that I believe parents are necessarily irresponsible. I can believe that they're misinformed. I can believe that they're overwhelmed. I can believe that they don't have the tools to pay bills, get groceries, pay for their kids' clothes. But I don't know what the answer is for that.
1: Well, and I think irresponsibility is a really broad range Right. So how do we define what being an irresponsible parent means? So kind of all those things that go into it. But I have several students at my school district. I haven't really seen that side of taking kids to court. At least if it,
0: they do it, it's I don't know anything about it. Well, and I'm not sure that our district does it anymore. Well, and with
1: our my district, I know that students have to make up educational hours if they miss so many days. So they have to be assigned to like a four hour hour kids who don't want to be there aren't going to be there for that anyways i i know that i have in my grade book i can see when they're unexcused mm-hmm. and i can think of a student right now that has not been to school in the past two weeks
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i've reached out to parents to counselors and i haven't gotten an answer and you know it, that's concerning because the parents aren't answering the phone calls to the counselors or anybody but you know that that is What I'm thinking of is these situations of you know you think in the mind of an elementary school teacher and a parent Mm -hmm. but for me I'm thinking in the mind of a high school parent and so I think there are two different cases there you know at 16 to 18 years old Parents are seeing their child as someone who's more independent Mm -hmm. than, you know, a fourth grader.
0: Right. And I I don't think your building, specifically, will have parents that have had their phone turned off. Right. But uh, there are so many parents who, you know, they've moved addresses. There are cases where they have tracked parents and where they've shown up and there's three different schools they show up at so they will pay their first month's rent they'll stay there and the landlord won't kick them out until they've missed two months rent so they've gotten three months at a place for the first month's rent and then they'll move on to the next building the next school and move and I think that's survival for the parents and I think we have to understand that they're just doing the best they can they are just doing what they know right Yeah can we help that i that's that's what really plagues me is how can we help that family know something different and help them be successful
1: and while i was researching there was a there was another um article i didn't print it off but it did it did leave kind of a feeling in my stomach of i i don't think i'm as informed as i can be about different economic statuses, just because of the environment that I'm in, I don't see a lot of that.
0: I I agree. I feel like I am the exact same way, Hope. I feel like, well, okay, back to when you were little, Daddy stayed home with you and Jacob. We agreed that I would go to work because my job had better health insurance, and he stayed home with you and Jake. And it was hard. That was a choice we made, but it was hard. We went without so much no longer went to the movies we did not go out to eat when I got paid we went to McDonald's and that was our big eating out for the oh, month. oh yeah
1: I remember that but it didn't seem abnormal to
0: me you know but no. and we had smaller Christmases too like our Christmases were very small but I think it was some of our best Christmases but we knew we didn't have that extra money so we we planned for that and we survived on what we had, and I don't know that a lot of families have that skill of living within your means. That's not the way our society's set up.
1: Well, and there was another article I read, and I have printed off here, and it's from PBS, and it it's an article entitled "Who's Accountable for Children's Education?" Mm-hmm. And there's actually a lot of information here that I will probably use in other our, other parts of this series because. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that talks about the No Child Left Behind Act and teacher accountability. But there is a big part that's talking about, you know, some concerns and some things that I didn't really necessarily think about. So if a parent is a single parent or if a parent's employed in a second or third job or if a parent is an immigrant and not accustomed to the American public school system. And there's so many different parts that I just haven't thought of because they haven't applied to me yet and even when I student taught I wasn't given that and definitely not where I grew up so I think that's a big part that I think teachers need to understand and think about especially new teachers yes
0: well and you know what it doesn't hurt for veteran teachers to be reminded I think that props to single parents I don't know how you do it it was everything that we could do for your daddy and I to raise both of you and we didn't have you in a lot of extracurricular things and I know some people feel like oh that's so important to kids and maybe it is, my opinion and my viewpoint is family time at home is more important. Yeah, and I
1: think that kind of goes into my next point. Um, And it's talking about how research has shown time and time again that family involvement in a child education, it, it leads to increased test scores, higher graduation rates, and more opportunities along the way. And I think that is a big part of how I grew up is that we had that family time you guys cared about our education you asked us about our grade cards you asked us about you know do you have your homework done you were involved you contacted teachers if you needed to you attended parents
0: teacher conferences,
1: conferences which you know as a new teacher I've noticed a lot that I'm getting the parents with the kids that have the A's not, right. they say yeah. that about high school
0: but you know what your dad was that parent because yeah. i would have to stay for parent teacher conferences he loved going so you're, to yeah because you get bragged out. yes yeah, middle school and high school he loved it and i had a friend who's a high school teacher and she told me the only people she saw were the good kids oh it's so the true The ones who are doing not good kids that's that's a poor choice of words the kids who were doing well in her classes yes and those weren't really the kids she needed to see
1: well and what's wild to me Is I will get a parent, and their kid has an A minus, and they're heated about up. it. All worked up, yeah. And I'm like, look, you're ch-. like, it is the second month of school. It is okay, but you know, I think it's important to realize that some parents, after you know their activities, their sports, any commitments they have, they may only have an hour or two to spend at home with their children. And I, I guess a good question would be like, how can a school? really compete for that parent's attention and keep the parent in tune with everything that's going on in the school setting i think it's really difficult to think outside of okay well you know the the parent their whole entire job is not necessarily revolved around their child's education like they have other assets of their life that they have i think
0: in terms of survival like we had to have a job to support the family so that was important But when it came to parent-teacher conferences, hell or high water, we were going to be there, especially in elementary school. If I could share a story with you, because I taught special ed self-contained for a while, my first two years of teaching, and we had this beautiful family. They were wonderful. And our, our specific program took kids from all over the district. This family could not drive. They took a bus to the closest point to our school and then walked probably a half a mile to our school to get to their child's parent-teacher conference. And I'm going to have to say it, most families do not put the effort in. No, Uh, no. A lot of the families who care about education, that that's important, they put that effort in. But if it means catching a bus and walking, we should have enough concern And love for our kids to do that.
1: Yeah I agree with you. I think that now with there's an increased focus on school accountability and I think as educators we're relying on parents and families to do their part in helping boost that achievement. I think one of the misnomers that parents believe about educators are that we are on call. Mm-hmm. And I know we've said this before, but I have been really working on not answering emails after three, even when they get me fired up and I read it and it's a kid mm-hmm. it's totally pulled the wool over their parents' eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think th- that's also a huge thing is like you never put the blame on the teacher. Mm-hmm.
0: no, even there was there was one teacher who I had sent you to school reading, and that teacher did not know you could read until april when i sent a book with you to read to your class my
1: kindergarten teacher yeah
0: for for, boy, way to out her i'm Um, sure she doesn't listen to this if uh, you're listening i apologize so in april she realized you could read because i sent a book with you to read to the class for your birthday jacob's teacher in kindergarten knew the first month he could read and when we went to his first parent teacher conferences the kindergarten teacher said He's not putting in his best effort. So that was just a whole nother can of worms we had to deal with. Because, right. Because uh, he said, Mom, that's what everybody else is handing in. Why can't I hand in what everybody else is handing in? And my logic to him was because your mom is a teacher and you can do better and you better do your best.
1: Right. Yeah, that's kind of how I grew up with, you know, if you did something wrong, it was it was on you right like it was on the student but it was it was always on us first so I think that a huge thing you always held us responsible and not the teacher and I think that's something that I don't see a lot of as a new teacher and I think part of it is me being a new teacher I think they can smell that like I think (laughs) that they they know that and I think students know that
0: Uh, students definitely know if mommy or daddy is going to hold the teacher accountable instead of them right
1: So I think that there's different viewpoints, and I have two written down here that I found. So one side of that is many view it as the school's responsibility to work with parents and make them an integral part of the school and their child's education. But then there's the flip side. It's that parental involvement is the responsibility of nobody but the parents. So where do you lie on that?
0: Well, I think it's easy for legislators to make it the school's responsibility because they can do that through law. They can do that through funding. And they don't have as much control over parents and what they can require of parents in the way of parenting. I think that's where we see that, you know, schools are responsible for feeding kids breakfast yes uh, not only lunch but breakfast and on the weekends and we take care of children's dental care and uh, we take care of clothing or school supplies a lot of kids don't have to buy school supplies or backpacks because they are provided for families who can't afford them and I tell you what I remember we used to spend $200 when it was all said and done for you and your brother school supplies and I thought How can a family of four afford school supplies?
1: Yeah, it's, I think that it is a joint effort for sure. Mm -hmm. I think that it takes both. But, you know, I also think that schools are facing those challenges, trying to involve parents and then meet the diverse needs of each family. And
0: I think we have to educate parents that I think we have to help parents find places. If you don't have enough food in the house, where are places you can go? And I talked to a family school liaison who I adore. She was so good with families. And she said to me, Sheila, there are families who don't have a car. There are families I have to take in my little car to the food pantry to get food because they have no way to get there. They have no family to send them. Their their one and only car is broke down.
1: Yeah, I think that's a huge thing. And I did find an article that kind of gave us some possible approaches to parent involvement. Okay, let's hear it. So the first one is that families should be assisted in developing home environments Conductive to learning. So if we provide suggestions, workshops, trainings, parent education, family support programs, and home visits to help, I think that is something that I don't know if my school necessarily does home visits, but I know that we have a few things that we
0: put out for parent education. I am sure your district does parents as teachers yeah i I don't know if they're making home visits right now but that is a great place to start and i think discuss discuss things you see on the news discuss things that are happening one of the things i love in our home is we had great conversations about politics i was always interested in what you were thinking especially if it was different than what i was thinking because i wanted you to have your own opinion even if I disagreed with it. Have those conversations about things that are going on in our world, in our country, in our neighborhood, and ask your children questions. That is
1: a great, point there and I think that that is something parents can actively do one thing that I usually include in my emails is like hey parents will you ask your child about this assignment just to touch base with them and have them share that with you just because I think that's important they should know what we're doing even if their child especially high schoolers oh man I cannot imagine hardly any of them going home and being I'm really excited about this grammar lesson like yeah Jacob
0: it was always so hard to find out what he was doing at school oh it's fine you always gave us a little bit more information.
1: Well, and I think that goes on to this next possible approach, and I know it's something that my school does and your school does, but making sure that schools ensure communication happens with parents. So that usually is like conferences once a year. We have conferences twice a year. One of them is enrollment. One of them is parent-teacher hosting conferences at non-traditional times and using phone calls as a contact method, newsletters, and then requiring that parents review students' work and be returned to the teacher so that they know what's going on. So So I don't necessarily require parents to do that at the junior level in high school because at that point I do want students to start taking on more accountability themselves Mm -hmm. which will be another podcast episode later down the road. Right. But I think that it's important to communicate with parents. I think that that is keeping the parents in the know and so that they can back you up.
0: Absolutely, so I'm going to recommend that at your very first parent-teacher conference, you let that parent know how much you care about their child, and that parent will have your back. If that parent feels like you love their child and you want the best for them, they are going to support you and that is so important. You also need to send, I call them happy emails. I print off my attendance list and then I put the date that I send a happy email and if you have a kid that struggles the very first time they do something great, go ahead and send that email. I also sometimes call. We use Seesaw to post projects and things they're working on so parents get to see that and we also use Facebook to kind of promote our program, our gifted program, but use Facebook to connect with parents because it's automatically going to come up in their feed and then they can share it with other people in their family.
1: I think that is a fantastic idea. I know that I do not send enough positive emails. I could probably send out way more than I do. I do try to send those emails out, but, you know, sometimes it does get a little bogged down. Students Do great things, and I try to send those out, but not always, I don't always get around to it. So that's a good reminder. Another thing on this list is that parents should be consulted in decision making processes. So I think a good example of this is like parent organizations or school advisory committees. We at our district involve parents in a lot. So we have different committees that parents are involved in. So typically, it usually has like principals on that committee, teachers, and parents so that they can make those decisions that are impacting their students and I think that's a great way to get parents involved not all parents will be involved and a lot of the times it's the parents that are with the high flyer kids the
0: same parents yeah yeah
1: but I think it's a good option and then the last thing on this possible approach list is that including parents in those important school decisions or answer any questions they have, including referrals to outside agencies. So I think that in high school, I'm not sure we necessarily see a bunch of things with that, but I think having those that communication with parents of okay, so do you have this question about getting your child on a 504? And let's talk about that. And let's refer you to this and let's do this. But I think it's important to remember that schools and teachers can't do it all. So a lot of the times we do rely on our parents to help us get their child in gear.
0: It has to be a team effort. And what we see in education, with this being my 28th year, is I see that concerns with education as far as kids not having the support from home that they need in education it's generational it, it doesn't just happen with one generation it repeats itself over time and parents can break that generational pattern and it's important that they do because we all want our kids to do better than we do
1: i think that is an excellent point And when I become a mother one day, I know that that is going to be a huge thing that I keep in mind. And I think it does help that my mom was a teacher, my grandmother was a teacher, and I'm a teacher. So I think that that is a big thing for parents to think about.
0: Yeah, I'd like to leave parents with this one idea or teachers who are parents with this one idea. Make sure you read to your child. It's never, never too early. I know I've had teacher friends say, oh, well, I thought it was too early. No, it's not. Start reading to your child now. It doesn't matter if it's just 10 minutes or a little board book or a trashy romance novel. Start reading to your kids now. One resource that I love is called the Jim Trelease Read-Aloud Book. It's old, it's been around for a long time, it has excellent data, excellent information about how long do we read to kids, how much time do we spend to kids, and it is so important that if there's a daddy in the home, that daddy read to kids too, because that daddy is a role model. I remember I told my husband, you have to read to our kids. It's that important. And he did.
1: Yeah. So I have really enjoyed this episode. I am really looking forward to our next one. But before we introduce what our next one's going to be, I know we have a few shout-outs.
0: I do have to give some shout-outs. So, shout-out to Sarah P., in my building at school because she stopped by and said she was really enjoying our podcast and Sarah you made my day you really did it just brightened my whole day and then shout out to my principal Christy she said she spent the whole morning with me listening to our podcast and I really appreciate that support and that kindness she said she enjoyed it and we sounded really good
1: thank you Christy and thank you Sarah for those sweet words And before we leave you, remember to subscribe on all the platforms we're on, which would be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify are some of the big ones. Make sure that you give us a like on Facebook, subscribe to us on Twitter, and subscribe to us on Instagram. And if you love hearing us chit chat, just leave us a five-star rating. It really helps us get out and about to other people on the podcast world. Our name will pop up more the more reviews we have.
0: And and believe it or not, last time I looked us up, we are in the top four popping up for two teachers on Apple Podcasts. Woohoo! So get out there and slay next week, teachers. Thank you for listening to us, and we'll see you next week. When we talk about... You tell me because I don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, let's talk about teacher accountability next week. All
0: right. I love it. We'll be here. We hope you are too.